Welcome to the Bedford Alliance Church Foundations Podcast. I'm Luke Cugino, your discipleship pastor and host. This weekly podcast is designed to accompany your discipleship group and help you build a strong foundation in the Christian faith. We want to equip you so you can be unleashed to obey Jesus' command to make disciples. We want to make Jesus' final words our first work. Hello and welcome back to the Foundations Podcast. And we have been journeying through the storyline of the Bible. So far we've covered the Old Testament. And then last week we talked about the Gospels. We talked about how Jesus is fully God and fully man. He lived a sinless life, a perfect life. He met God's standard for us. God's standard that Israel and all of humanity, including us, have repeatedly failed to keep. He paid the price for our sins so that all who trust in him can now be forgiven of their sins and can have eternal life and have a relationship with God. Now, before Jesus ascended into heaven, he left his disciples, his followers with the command to go and make disciples of all nations, to go make Jesus followers in all the people groups of the world. Now, the book of Acts picks up where the Gospels leave off. The book of Acts is going to show us how the disciples responded to that command, responded to that great commission. So a little bit of intro here on the book of Acts. The book of Acts is actually part two, in a sense, of Luke's Gospel. So remember, Luke's Gospel was addressed to the Roman official Theophilus. Well, the book of Acts is also written to him as well. Okay, So it was written by Luke, the same Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke. And he opens his book by saying, I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up, after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Okay, that's verses 1 and 2. So Luke is the author, as we said. But what's interesting here in this opening verse is Luke writes that his gospel that he wrote records all that Jesus began to do. Now, that's kind of strange, right? Because his gospel, the gospel of Luke, records from Jesus' birth all the way up to his ascension into heaven. So how can he say that his gospel records everything that Jesus began to do? Because he records him leaving earth. How is that possible? Well, we're going to get there. I want you to notice that the beginning of the book of Acts gives more details as to what happened between the time that Jesus was raised from the dead And when he ascended into heaven, there's a a 40 day period between his resurrection from the dead and when he ascends into heaven. Now, remember, Jesus is going to give his followers the great commission before he ascends into heaven. But look what he says first in Acts chapter one, verse four. He says, while he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the father's promise. So before he gives them the great commission, he says, stay in Jerusalem and wait. Why? Because he knows that if they try to do the great commission through their own strength, they're going to fail. They can't do this on their own. So he says, stay in Jerusalem and wait. But then look what he says next in verse 8, chapter 1, verse 8. And this verse is foundational to the rest of the book. This is huge. Jesus says, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
It's only through the power of the Spirit that the disciples can live out the Great Commission. This is why Luke can say that his gospel records all that Jesus began to do. Because Jesus' work is not finished yet. He is going to continue his work. But he's going to do that by pouring out his Spirit on his disciples. He's going to continue his work through them. And this is consistent with what we see in the rest of Scripture. In John chapter 16, Jesus says, It is for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. What's he talking about here? Well, the name counselor is another name for the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says it's better for him to ascend into heaven because when he does that, the Holy Spirit is going to come on all believers. Now, how can it be better for Jesus to leave us? Well, understand that while he was on earth, even though he is fully God, in his humanity, he was only in one place at one time. But the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, he can carry on his ministry over the entire world at the same time through all believers. His ministry is no longer limited geographically. And we're going to see this through the book of Acts. So everything that happens in the book of Acts happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, Chapter 1, verse 8, that verse is foundational to the rest of the book. And it also says in this verse, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Sound familiar? Sounds kind of like the Great Commission, right? Make disciples of all nations. And this formula given in this verse, this Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, that gives us sort of the structure of the rest of the book of Acts. Acts is going to tell us how the gospel first spread in Jerusalem, then in Judea and Samaria, and then finally beyond. Okay, now an interesting note here, a lot of Luke's gospel records Jesus journeying to Jerusalem to go to the cross. Basically from chapter 9 through about chapter 19, Luke is recording Jesus heading toward Jerusalem to go to the cross. Now the book of Acts is going to do the opposite of that. It records the gospel starting in Jerusalem and then spreading outward. So keep this verse in mind. Keep chapter 1, verse 8 in mind as you read the book of Acts. It is foundational. Now let's talk a little bit more about the structure of the book of Acts. As I said, this first section of the book talks about the gospel beginning in Jerusalem. Okay, and this is from Acts 1-1 to 6-7. Now we already talked about chapter 1 a little bit when Jesus tells his followers, that they're going to receive the Spirit. Now, in chapter 2, we see the fulfillment of that. The believers receive the Holy Spirit on what's known as the day of Pentecost. Okay, They receive the Spirit. They receive the power of the Spirit. And then Peter, who's now filled with the Spirit, stands up to speak, and 3,000 people are saved in one day. This is essentially the birth of the church. Imagine that, 3,000 people in one day. Chapter 2 also records the life of the early church. Starting in verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. It also says, All the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. 
So we see this incredible picture of this community of believers sharing life together. They're filled with the Spirit. They're focusing on loving God, on loving each other, and on Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations. The gospel continues to spread in spite of opposition, in spite of persecution. The gospel continues to spread in Jerusalem. Then each section in the book of Acts ends with kind of a summary statement. So we see this first summary statement in chapter 6, verse 7. It says, So the word of God spread, the disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Okay, so we see the gospel picking up momentum in and around Jerusalem. Then we come to the next section of the book, which is Acts 6, 8 to 9, 31. And here we see the gospel spreading in Judea and Samaria. Now, just a quick little geography lesson. Understand that the Roman Empire was present at this time. Okay, The Romans are in control of this part of the world at this time, and they have different provinces within the Roman Empire. Think of it sort of like how we have different states within the United States. Okay, It's, it's not like that. It's not a perfect analogy, but sort of like that. Okay, so the province right around Jerusalem is known as Judea, and then north of Judea is Samaria, and the north of Samaria is Galilee. Okay, so those are the three provinces that we, we tend to hear the most about when we're talking about the life of Jesus. So the, the summary statement in this section is chapter 9, verse 31. It says, so the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. So we see the gospel spreading in Judea and Samaria and Galilee. The gospel is moving. Then we come to the next section, which is Acts 9.32 through 12.24. And here we see the gospel spreading to the Gentiles, to the non-Jewish people. In chapter 9, we see the conversion of Saul. Now, if we back up one chapter earlier, in chapter 8, it says, Saul was ravaging the church. He would enter house after house, drag off men and women, and put them in prison. This guy was literally hunting down Christians and throwing them in jail for their faith. But then in chapter 9, he has a supernatural encounter with Jesus, and he becomes saved. And then he becomes one of the prominent figures in the rest of the book of Acts. And he becomes one of the the key players in taking the gospel to the Gentiles. Now, a quick note here, Saul actually does not become Paul. That's kind of a common misconception. He actually had two different names, and and this was pretty common back in this time. Saul would have been his Hebrew or Jewish name, and then Paul was his Greek name. So we actually see him called Saul even after his conversion. We see this a couple times in chapter 13. In verse 2, for example, when the Holy Spirit calls Saul to go on a missionary journey, he refers to him as Saul. And then in chapter 13, verse 9, it says, but Saul, also called Paul, okay, so it wasn't a name change, but he has two different names. So when he was in and around the area that was formerly Israel, he uses his Hebrew name or Jewish name, Saul, more often. And then as he goes on his missionary journeys and he travels into Greek-speaking regions throughout the Roman Empire, he is more commonly referred to as Paul. Okay, so just an interesting note, he actually didn't change his name, he had two different names. But getting back to the story, in chapter 10, Cornelius, 
who is a Roman centurion, he and his family become the first Gentile converts, the first non-Jewish people to become Christians. And then the summary statement for this section comes in chapter 12, verse 24, and it says, but the word of God spread and multiplied. Then the next section is 12, 25 to 16, 5. Here we see the gospel spreading in Asia Minor. Now, Asia Minor is another province in the Roman Empire. We're not talking about the entire continent of Asia here. This would be like modern-day Turkey. So the gospel spreads in, in Asia Minor, and it spreads through Paul's missionary work. So the church in Antioch becomes sort of home base for missions work, and we see that they commission Paul or Saul and Barnabas to go on their first missionary journey. And of course, as Paul goes on these different journeys, he's going to visit different areas and travel, and he's going to write letters to encourage and strengthen churches when he can't be there in person. And we're going to talk more about some of those letters next week. But the summary statement here comes in chapter 16, verse 5. It says, so the churches strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Okay, then the next section is Acts 16.6 through 19.20. Here we see the gospel spreads to Europe, to the continent of Europe. Paul goes on his second and third missionary journeys, taking the gospel further across the Roman Empire, specifically in the area of modern-day Greece. And the summary statement here is in 19.20. It says, In this way the word of the Lord spread and prevailed, Then the next section takes us to the end of the book. So it's from chapter 19, verse 21, through the end of the book. And here we see the gospel spreads to Rome, to the capital of the Roman Empire. So Paul is imprisoned, he's put on trial, and then we see in chapters 25 through 27, Paul actually appeals to Caesar. He's able to do that as a Roman citizen. He appeals to Caesar, which means he has to go to Rome to stand trial. So he's sent to Rome. And he's under house arrest, essentially, for two years in Rome. But while he's under house arrest, he's still able to proclaim the word, still able to meet with people, and still able to send letters that we'll again talk more about next week. But then the book of Acts ends abruptly. So we see in chapter 28, verses 30 and 31, it says, Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house. Okay, So again, he's kind of under house arrest. And he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And then it ends. That's the end of the book of Acts. So it ends kind of abruptly, but a lot of scholars think that Luke ends his book this way on purpose. Because if you think about it, the book of Acts records the gospel starting in Jerusalem, spreading to Judea and Samaria, spreading throughout the Roman Empire, And then the work of spreading the gospel continues to this day. The work of making disciples of all nations is still going on. The end, in a sense, hasn't been written yet. So that's at least one possible view as to why the book ends so abruptly. But that's the book of Acts. Now, a few key themes to look for as you read. First of all, as we said, look for the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything that happens in the book of Acts happens through the power of the Spirit. The gospel spreads only through his power. So look for that throughout the book. Also look for the necessity of prayer. Every major move in the book of Acts comes in response to prayer. We see this as early as chapter 1 in verse 14. It says, They were all continually united in prayer. 
The believers were huddled together in desperate prayer. And then in chapter two, God responds by sending the Holy Spirit on them. We see this throughout the book. The believers come to God in desperate prayer and God responds. God acts through prayer and prayer shows our desperate need for the Holy Spirit. And finally, in the book of Acts, look for the fact that the gospel cannot be chained. It cannot be stopped. This book records persecution and and opposition of all sorts, whether it's imprisonments, shipwrecks, martyrdom. But God's purposes will not be thwarted, and the gospel will not be stopped. So keep an eye out for those key themes, and let's learn from the early church. Let's take Paul's words to heart. Paul's words specifically from chapter 20, verse 24. He says, I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course in the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of God's grace. So let's be men and women of prayer, filled with the Spirit who live like the early disciples to make Jesus' final words our first work.